The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. much of a, a titler, a message titler, but I guess I would say my the message title this morning would be, What Are You Expecting? Okay, we sang this song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And how many of you know that um, expectations can make or break a Christmas? Right? From the kid who thinks that he's getting a bike for Christmas and he unwraps 30 awesome gifts, but he was expecting a bike, that can make or break a Christmas, can't it? Or uh, the mom who's expecting magical Hallmark moments. How many of you know Christmas cookie baking is a lot messier in person than it is on Hallmark movies? Okay, so expectation is key. And so this morning we sang this song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And I believe today God wants to teach us a little bit about expectations. Um, this is a hymn that was written by Charles Wesley, um, who, by the way, wrote over 6,000 hymns. Like, I can't even comprehend how many words that is. 6,000 hymns, uh, but he wrote this song um, in roughly around 1744. It was made more popular, though, a hundred years later when Charles Spurgeon uh, did a series, a Christmas series, and he featured the song, and then it kind of became kind of an Advent song from that point on. But it's a, a really rich hymn that I think has multiple meanings, and so we want to look at a little bit about those uh, this morning, the first one is I think it gives us a glimpse into the Old Testament, right? The people of Israel waited for thousands of years. So they're the ones that truly understand this term, long expected Jesus, which they didn't even know his name. It was a long expected. It was thousands of years of waiting for a Messiah, they had prophecy after prophecy that showed up um, predicting that he would come. As a matter of fact, there's 108 prophecies in the Old Testament that predict Jesus' birth. And they start in Genesis chapter 3. So for those of you that know the word, you know that that's three chapters in to the story of the world is when Jesus' birth begins to be foretold. So that's a long, long time ago. Okay, so there's 108, you know, how many of you are reading along with us in our Advent plan? We are doing it on version. If not, I believe we have printed copies available. If you're not following along on your phone, um, I can't really tell you how to join it. So if you're not, ask somebody who just raised their hand. Um, but we read this this week and it blew my mind. So I'm just going to read from it, okay? But if you're reading the Advent plan, you read this. Um, it says, uh, in 1958, this was part of the devotional, it's not in the Bible, uh, renowned mathematics and astronomy professor Peter Stoner studied and calculated the chances of the fulfillment of messianic prophecies. He concluded that the probability of even eight, just eight of those 108 prophecies coming to pass is conservatively one in this many chances of coming true. Eight. If only eight 
of those prophecies came true, they it would be one and 100 quadrillion chances of eight of them coming true. And when Jesus came to earth, all 108 were fulfilled. That's pretty cool, right? I didn't even know 100 quadrillion was a number. I mean, like, I can't even fathom all those zeros. So, you know, I think it's cool that God could have given eight prophecies and fulfilled eight prophecies, and it would have been mind-blowing, right? But he gave 108, and he fulfilled all eight of them. And I think part of that, the reason he did that is because he wanted us to know that he does what he says he's going to do, right? He not only told us how he was going to come, but he came in the same way that he told us uh, that he would. And so I think we can t understand from that that God keeps his promises. So as we look at his word and we look at his other promises, we can believe that he can be trusted. Um, I think this song is also a picture of the future. It says, um, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. And we sang about that this morning, about us um, sitting at the throne at the feet of Jesus and crying, holy, holy, holy. That's just a picture of what's going to happen. And this, this song, we as the church, we can sing this and say, come, Jesus, long expected Jesus return because we know that he came. And so if he says he's coming again, he's going to come again. I tried to find out how many times the Bible talks about his return, and all I found was a top 100 list. So there's at least 100 times, okay? So 108 prophecies fulfilled when Jesus came to earth, and there's over 100 that talk about when he returns, and I think we need to be ready for that, because when he does, he's going to do it with flair. I don't know if you've read any of those prophecies, but it is going to be huge, okay? But in... I, I believe those are two ways that we can look at this song, but I think there's a third meaning. I think we can celebrate that he came and we can expect that he will come, but there's also another uh, promise in the Bible over a hundred times, and that is the promise that God is with us. So if he came and he's coming again, we can also believe that he is here with us today. Charles Wesley, I, wrote, I read this in a bio about him. When he wrote this hymn, it says, he was surrounded by scenes of homelessness, orphans, and poverty. 18th century England was racked with weak religion, rampant sin, and very frequent callous indifference. Can anybody relate to Charles Wesley 300 years ago? Guys, when we look at the, oh, the world around us, we can understand the words of the song that say, you are hope of the earth, thou art. The joy of every longing heart. So as we sing it, we know that the expected Messiah came, the expected king will return, but the long expected Jesus is here. He's here with us. We can take heart. And no, you know, we see the theme of expectation all throughout scripture. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, be strong and let your hearts take courage. All of you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be brave, be strong, don't give up. Expect God to get here soon. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. I believe God wants to us to live a life of expectation. 
But that word has kind of a negative connotation sometimes, right? Um, when we think about like a spoiled child who just expects that everything's going to get handed to them simply because they asked or just because they kind of like wanted it a little bit. Or some of us, we've learned to live a life of lowered expectation because we're out of fear of disappointment. Sometimes that term has a negative connotation, but I believe God wants us to live a life of expectation. And the definition of expectation is to look forward to, to regard as likely to happen, anticipate the occurrence or coming of, and to look for with reason or justification. I believe there's a way for us to live this Christian life in a way that glorifies God, in a way that doesn't look like a spoiled child, in a way that isn't our expectations are so low that they can't possibly be disappointed. And I think that we find that in God's word. Um, I think the first way that we do, what does it look like to live a life of expectation? The first thing is this, is that we expect God to be who he is, not to do what he does. We expect him to be who he is, not to do what he does. And at the risk of um, being cliche and Christmassy, I would say you, we seek the giver, not the gift. Right? Psalm 63 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. He doesn't say, I will praise you because you gave me water when I was thirsty, but because your love is better than all of life, I'm going to praise you. We expect God to be who he is, not to do what he does. You know, God's people weren't perfect. They did a lot of whining a lot of complaining. They get a bad rap, but you know what? If somebody wrote a book about my life, there'd be some complaining and whining in there too. But you know, one thing they did is they constantly looked for a deliverer. Their eyes were up. Their eyes were looking to the future for one who would deliver. But they looked for him as a deliverer. And so I guess I would ask us this morning, like, what are we expecting from God? Are, are, are you expecting God to remove anxiety from your life? Or are you expecting that he'll be the Prince of Peace in the midst of your storm? Are, are you expecting God to remove this fear that grips you? This fear that seems to have a hold in your life? Or can you trust God at his word when it says that God is love and perfect love casts out all fear? Do you seek the provider, the provision or the provider, the healing or the healer? Friend, it is not wrong to ask for healing or deliverance, but when we expect God to do things, uh, we, uh, more than we expect him to be who he is, we take this, we imply that I know what's best and I think I know what God should do and when he should do it. And friend, the only time that we're gonna be disappointed and that our expectations of God are not necessarily going to be met is when we expect him to be who we think he should be and do what we think he should do. 
Friends, his ways are not our ways. We need to expect that he is good. We need to expect that he is all-knowing and that in the midst of these circumstances, he's got it figured out and he knows what's best. The second is this. We, 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 first, we expect that uh, him to be who he is, not to do what he does. We also expect that who he is is good. You know, the Old Testament, I love the, the imagery as you watch the Old Testament play out. It's just generation after generation telling story after story about God's goodness and telling their kids, don't forget, this is what God did for your great-great-grandpa. He's going to do it for you and tell your kids that God was good to their great-great-great-grandpa and he's going to be good to them. It's stories about God's goodness. We need to expect that he's going to be good. Expecting that God is going to be good looks a lot more like anticipation than waiting. Uh, I think about it, uh, um, the picture I get in my mind is the difference between um, the waiting room in, in a labor and delivery unit at the hospital and the waiting room at your primary care physician. Okay, if you're a grandparent-to-be, and you're, um, you're waiting in the waiting room on a labor and delivery unit, you are sitting on the edge of your seat, right? Every time that door opens, your eyes are on the door waiting for somebody to come in, whether it's your, maybe your spouse is in the room with them or the doctor that you're familiar with, you are sitting on the edge of your seat ex waiting and expecting good news, right? But when you go for your yearly checkup at your primary care physician, what do you do? You wait. Like for a really, really long time. And like people are like coughing around you, right? There's things that are oozing. And you're just sitting. You're like, I, I got to do something. I got to, I got to, I'll pull out my work email. I'm not even getting paid while I'm sitting here, but I will email somebody back. I got to kill this time. I'm going to pull out the guidepost magazine and find all the discrepancies in the picture while I'm waiting. I am going to get taken to another room. I've got to have something with me to do because they're going to close this door and I'm going to be sitting in this little room just waiting. I think that I think that what God, the life of expectation that God wants to us to live is going to look a lot more like anticipation than waiting. Friends, I think we need to be on the lookout for God's goodness. I think we need to wake up in the morning expecting God to be good. Let's not distract ourselves with other things. But we should wake up in the morning, we should be on the edge of our seat looking for the goodness of God. Psalm 23, 17 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So we expect who he is to be good. It looks more like anticipation than waiting. It also looks more like hope than doubt. Remember, we're expecting God to be God, not to do things for us. So let's expect that he holds our situations in the palm of his hands. Let's expect that he speaks truth when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that when those feelings of doubt or loneliness creep in, we can remember the truth of his word and expect that he's going to be true to it. 
You know, we've talked about this before. I know I've talked about it before that sometimes I think we need to change our language in this department. Have you ever had one of those days where you wake up and on your way to the bathroom, you stub your toe on the edge of the bed? And then you go, you stumble over to the coffee pot only to find out you only have decaf, Keurig, K-cups left? Which you make one naturally because that's all you have. But then you get in the car and uh, you get stuck by every, behind every single red light. You're running late to a meeting and then you spill that nasty decaf coffee right down your white shirt. And the tendency is for us to be like, oh, of course this would happen to me. Of course, this is what my day would look like. But friends, I think that we need to change our language, not from, of course, this would happen to me, but surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, let's wake up in the morning and expect to see the goodness of God. It looks more like hope than doubt, but it also looks more like faith than entitlement. We believe in faith that God's plans for us are good, but it has nothing to do with us deserving any of it. It has nothing to do even with us asking. Friends, are you in a place in your faith and your walk with Jesus where you can believe with conviction that God is good even if he never does another good thing again. Daniel chapter 3, I read it this week in my Bible reading, and in, in this passage, King Nebuchadnezzar has just built this huge uh, idol, this huge statue, and every time the music plays, people are supposed to bow down to this statue, and he finds out that these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, they're not doing it. And so he calls him in, and he's mad. He's like, you guys, you're supposed to bow down, okay? I don't know who this God is that you're worshiping. And they're like, well, we're not going to do it. And he's like, who do you think this God is that you don't have to do what I'm telling you to do? And their response, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Can we still expect the goodness of God even if he doesn't show up the way we think he should? Even if he doesn't remove us from the fire? Can we still expect the goodness of God not because we deserve it or he owes us a thing? Can we expect the goodness of God even if we don't see it right in front of us? Friends, I think we can expect that God, we, we can expect him to be who he is, not to do what he does. We can expect that who he is will be good. But I think the most important thing for us to remember this morning is that we need to expect that his timing is perfect. 
How long did Israel wait? Thousands of years from the time that first prophecy that the Messiah would come. We love to quote, um, at Christmas time, we love to quote the the greatest birth announcement in the history of all time. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Sounds like a baby was just born, doesn't it? Not for another 680 years. From the time that prophecy came to when Jesus was born. love the chapter in Hebrews that talks about these great examples of faith, the hall of fame of faith, if you will. Verse 7 says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. God warned him about things he had never heard about before, but he did it out of faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that would be his inheritance. He didn't even know where he was going. He just put one foot in front of the other and trusted that God was going to lead him. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren, she believed that God would keep his promise. Verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Verse 17, it was by faith Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Remember, God promised Abraham he would be the father of many nations. Count the, count the grains of sand. Count the stars in the sky. That's, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. And so when God, came to, when God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, do the math. If he doesn't have a son, how does he have descendants that n- number the stars in the sky? But it says that Abraham just, he just, okay, my words, okay, not his, but he just assumed, well, if this is what God's asking, then he can do something miraculous some other way. So I'll just do what he's asking. Even if I can't see it. It was by faith Isaac promised blessings to his future sons. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, he blessed uh, Joseph's sons. It, It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that God would deliver his people from Egypt. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea. It was by faith that they marched around Jericho. How much more do I need to say? We don't have time to talk about all these other people that are in here is what it says. So some of them, their weakness was turned to strength. Some of them were strong in battle. Some of them had um, awesome stories of God showing up, tangible victories. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Others were chained in prisons. 
all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so they would not reach perfection without us. Friend, are you okay with the fact that you may not see some of your prayers answered in your lifetime? Can we trust that his will is better than ours? So this life of expectation, we, we expect God to be who he is, not to do what he does. We expect that who he is will be good expect that his timing is perfect. So it's Christmas morning. What's on your Christmas list? What are you expecting? Do you have a list a mile long of all the things that you're expecting God to do for you? Are you waking up expecting to be disappointed? Are your expectations limited to your timeline? What's on your Christmas list? Or this Christmas, are you waking up expecting that God is with you and he's enough? Expecting that any package that God gives to you, no matter what you open up today, it's going to be good. with waiting even if it takes a little while even if it doesn't happen in the timeline that I think makes the most sense friends I'm not saying that we lower our expectations I'm saying that we raise them to his level Isaiah 55 says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Our expectations can't be based at our level and the things that we see. We need to raise our expectations to his level and say, God, I don't expect that you're going to drop a hundred quadrillion dollars into my bank account today, although whatever your will is, Lord. Like, I don't expect that you're going to do that, but I expect that you are who you say you are, which is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and you will meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. God, I don't expect that everything about my day today is going to be perfect and line up with my plans, but I expect that in Genesis 4, 6, I expect that you are abounding in goodness. That's my new favorite verse. God is abounding in goodness. Or God, I don't expect that every time I pray for somebody that you will heal that person in the timeline that I think that you should. But I expect that you are who you say you are, which is Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. And your timeline is perfect. Can we just take a few minutes this morning to respond to the Lord? 
you just close your eyes this morning? I want you to scroll through that Christmas list of yours. The list of things that you are expecting, maybe you've never said them out loud. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate those things in your heart. God, I thank you that you are a God who exceeds expectations. I thank you, Lord, that you were faithful to fulfill 108 promises about your son coming to earth to redeem your people. God, I thank you that we can trust that you're gonna be faithful to come again in all your glory. God, I thank you that we can trust that you are here with us, just like your word says. We can trust that promise. So Lord, would you just search our hearts? God, this morning, the places in our hearts, Lord, that are are disappointed, that things haven't worked out the way that we thought they should. Lord, forgive us for putting our timeline on you and then being disappointed when that expectation isn't met. Lord, forgiving or forgive us for not trusting that you know what is best and that we will see the goodness of the Lord. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. God, we may not see that promise fulfilled. God, but we trust that you have a greater plan that goes beyond my lifetime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.